Welcome to Contracting Conversations. I'm Scott Williams, and I'm joined by my partner, Jim Valley. Today, we're continuing our long-term series on AI, Contracting in the Age of AI. This series can not only benefit contracting, but all functional. We've provided links with our podcasts that we have discussed in our episodes to date, and they can be of great benefit to all our listeners. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to Contracting Conversations at DAU Media, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts, and please like the podcast, if you will, so we can continue to provide you this service to you in the future. As always, we ask that you leave us any comments you may have, as we love to hear from our listeners on ideas, thoughts, and any suggestions you have for future content. With all that being said, it's time to welcome back our special guest, Rhonda Moss, from our Mid-Atlantic region. As a reminder, Rhonda is a professor of software engineering and agile coach and DAU's lead for AI research. Welcome back, Rhonda. And as we record part five of our series with today's episodes on the pitfalls and risks of AI, welcome back. Thank you, Scott and Jim. Thanks for having me and happy new year. Let's get to it. Oh, happy new year to you. Yeah, let's get to it. We're really happy to have you back. As you can tell, we're pretty excited. So today our format's going to be a rapid fire Q&A session. To get us started rolling, Rhonda, what is the role of AI in modern software systems? AI plays a critical role in enhancing software systems. So either traditional software systems or net new software systems by making them smarter. So imagine AI is the brain of modern software. AI capabilities help the software learn from its experiences, adapt to different situations, and make better decisions. And the way that AI learns from experiences is by studying very large amounts of data, and it's looking for novel patterns that our traditional software doesn't find or that we can't see with the human eye. Okay, Rhonda, so what are the fundamental components of AI-enabled systems? AI systems are like puzzles. So I think of it as three main pieces, algorithms, data, and models. So piece number one, the algorithms, those are like instructions that tell the AI what to do. We tell it how to learn with those algorithms. The second piece is data. Think of data as the AI's knowledge base. It's like a giant library filled with books. And the third piece is models. Models are like an AI system's way of organizing and using the knowledge to solve problems. So those are the instructions that we will offer to the AI. Go learn this way, right? That's the algorithm. Learn from this data, that's the data. And then tell us what you learned and we'll give it some instructions. We don't control what it learns though and that's what makes it challenging. Okay, interesting. Yeah, thanks, Rhonda. So what are some of the common pitfalls teams need to account for when contracting for and implementing AI, or should I say, our AI? <laughs> Responsible AI. Thanks, Scott. You picked that up. Common pitfalls include, and you'll hear this one all the time, biased data, lack of transparency, and over-reliance on AI decisions. So sometimes AI can make mistakes, right? You may have experienced it yourself. A common problem is when the input data the AI learns from is not fair or balanced. It's like trying to learn history from only one book or a book that was written by an author with ill intent. You're likely to get a biased view. A lot of times, too, we're using very old data, right? We're using the data we've collected forever on something. 
And so back when we collected it, we may have needed it for one thing, and now we're trying to use it for another thing. So there's lots of things in data that can cause bias. Another pitfall is lack of transparency. And that means we don't understand what the AI systems are doing exactly. Not always. So let's say you created an AI-enabled application and you told it to study the entire Library of Congress, which is doable, by the way. And then you said, make recommendations and decisions on a particular topic. When the end user gets the recommendation, how do they know it's valid? How do they know it's safe? And how is the AI applying what it learned from the entire Library of Congress collection? We don't always know with AI, and that's one area where we're working very hard. The, the great minds of the world are working on how to get AI to explain itself. It's not an easy task. Computer engineering experts across the globe, so this isn't just a DOD or a federal government issue, it's an everybody issue, are working very hard on how to get AI to effectively explain itself. But we're not quite there yet. Okay, so Rhonda. Great, thanks Rhonda. Yes, thanks. So let's follow up on those two examples you have. Because, you know, we're, we're acquisition people, right? We're contracting and obviously we work with all the other functionals. How could biased data affect AI systems in the federal acquisition process? So it's, it's, well, so it's, hit, data. it's hit closer to home is what I'm trying to say, Rhonda. Right, right, right. So, you know, we create lots of different types of systems in DOD. Some are weapon systems and some are defense business systems, right? Doing the business of the DOD. But biased data in either of those situations can lead to discriminatory outcomes or it can reinforce existing biases and decision-making. So imagine if the AI is used to select job candidates and the data that it learned from has bias. It might unfairly favor one group over another, and there are some very famous case studies in the private sector where that happened. Spotify, I think, is one. Netflix may have had some trouble with that. Um, in DOD, if we use, let's say, target data from 30 years ago, um, on a certain region of the world, let's say, and now that region looks different. Maybe the climate is different, the terrain is different, and that would be biased data about that region's terrain. So those are examples. Okay, interesting. So Rhonda, uh, another question coming at you. What are the risks associated with the lack of transparency in AI systems? Oh, you guys are really making me work today. So lack of transparency, which was the second example, um, think of AI as a black box. If we can't see inside it, it's hard to know why it makes certain decisions. So this lack of transparency makes it challenging to understand how AI makes decisions, and that leads to trust issues and potentially regulatory compliance challenges. So we generally tell AI systems what to learn from and how to learn, but we don't tell them what the outcome should be. Otherwise, why would we need AI? If we can tell it all the possible outcomes, that's traditional software, right? AI is looking at very large amounts of data to tell us something we don't already know. So we need to get to the point where we can trust the output of AI systems. Great, thanks. Okay, Rhonda, I, I just had a meeting with my department as a department chair, and we were talking about critical thinking. So I think this next question, you know, is there a risk that we could over-rely on AI-based decisions and not use our critical thinking hats? That's a great one because I, I know in DAU, almost every class we teach has some kind of critical thinking lesson in it. 
Certainly, right? The, that risk exists for anybody who uses AI, but in particular DOD, given the type of products that we build and buy for national security. So imagine using a calculator for everything, right? To add up every kind of math problem you can think of, even if it's not good at certain types of math problems. So relying too much on AI without human oversight is like that. It can lead to errors, decisions that don't make sense or other unintended consequences. I have a true story I can share. I was using ChatGPT recently to find out more about my husband's deceased uncle. Um, and we had heard he had a hand in inventing stealth technology and my husband's a Navy engineer. So we were very interested in that. Um, ChatGPT provided correct info about his history with stealth, but it also said he was a key member of the original Skunk Works team and it listed patents we hadn't heard of. I mean, we were about jumping out of our chair with excitement. If you work in DOD and you're related to somebody on the Skunk Works team, that's a big deal. But it didn't add up, right? So we did further research, and it turns out his uncle wasn't involved in any way with the Skunk Works team. And that's an example of how it's essential to have a human in the loop to question AI. I mean, I was typing back to ChatGPT, are you sure this isn't even the same era or the same time frame? And this name on the patent is different. And I really, you know, put it, put it through the ringer. And it came back, of course, and apologized. And uh, I said, explain why you did that. And it didn't explain it to me. So it'll do a lot of things, but it won't explain why it made one decision or another. And that's where we have a gap in AI. And so that's an example of how it's essential to have a human in the loop and we need AI systems to be much better at proactively telling us, the end users, why they're providing the information or the recommendation that they are and where it came from and what, what their confidence rate is, right? And it sounds like, well, why don't we just put that in there? But it's easier said than done. It's been tried by many over decades. And so we're still working on being able to do this, to have AI explain itself and tell you about its confidence rate with a level of certainty, right, that, that, that we know we can count on. Right. So in other <laughs> words, we need AI systems to team with humans, and we need them to justify themselves just as two humans would to each other. Right, but I think a lot of people, when it comes to AI, are thinking, hey, whether it's autonomous vehicles or whatever, that, hey, we're just going to give it, and it's going to do its own, and we're not going to have a necessary human in the process, right, unless there's an accident or something, and they'll do some type of deal there. but. It seems like um, it'd be very easy for possibly someone to go in and put in data that would make it so we get less uh, reasonable responses. But I don't know if that's a time to talk about it. Um, well, you know, you make a really good point. Injecting malicious data into the AI data stream is one of the biggest cyber problems, cyber challenges we have with AI. And similar to other cyber challenges, right, where it could be, something very technical, but it could also be something very easy and non-technical. One of the best ways to fool um, cars that drive, you know, in an automated fashion on the street, and I'm not talking about military vehicles, but regular vehicles, is go put a sticker, a big giant banner diagonally over every stop sign that's out there. And we have found that the vehicles likely won't recognize the stop sign. So you can engineer AI just uh, on the back end from a cyber perspective just by somehow infiltrating the data stream that's coming in. And in that case, it's a very physical way to do it, but it's possible. Yeah, that's kind of scary in, in many ways. <laughs> very scary. That's why they're working on smart cities, right? They would much rather have the stop sign 
transmit a signal to a car saying I'm a stop sign rather than the car has to use computer vision to see the red stop sign and make sense of it. Well, and I see that in my car when it tells me what the speed limit is, and sometimes it does not read the, the sign, right, for whatever reason. Um, so it's not perfect. You would notice that it doesn't have the right speed limit. That sounds like a Jim Valley kind of a thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, thanks. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. With Jim, it's one speed fits all. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, a really good conversation there. So, Rhonda, if you don't mind, let's shift just a little bit of our focus to mitigation. Sounds like a real good thing to do after that uh, conversation. So what are some of the steps that DOD contracting professionals and program teams can take to mitigate these risks that we discussed? Yeah, perfect follow-up to this, right? Because, okay, we have this giant problem. What do we do about it? And we don't have all the answers yet. So right now, the advice is, and the best practice, focus on data quality, ethical AI practices, maintaining human oversight, right? And so to make AI safer and more reliable, we need to prioritize at least these four things. And I'll give these to you. And whether you're writing a contract or you are checking under the hood to see what's in an AI system and how it works, prioritize these four things first. So the contracting and program team should have a thorough understanding of how the AI system works, right? If the vendor can't tell us how it works, if we're buying one, there's a problem there, right? Now, it may be hard for them to do that, but we want them to really try to do that. Document the understanding and include specific guide rails stating what we do not want it to do. So we always think about requirements as being what we want a system to do. And, and of course, that's present in AI. That doesn't go away. But we also want to document what we don't want it to do and how we want it to stop and let us intervene if it goes beyond guide rails. Uh, the second one is understand the input data. There, you just can't understate the value of validating data sources, checking the data for bias, and doing everything possible to make sure the data is fair. That means we pre-test data, and there are tools coming out. CDAO is helping us with that as well with the RAI toolkit. You can go out and check data to see if it has bias in it. It's not a perfect science yet either. Um, I would also say that NIST also has publications on how to check data for bias. So this might be one area where the AI world is making more progress than other areas. So while AI is not telling you where its bias is, it's not explaining it to you, there are tools out there that can help us find bias in data. So we need vendors to tell us which data sources did you use, and they also need to tell us, and we need to contract for this, when they change. So if all of a sudden we have a machine learning model running and the vendor changes where it gets its data from, we need to know that before it happens so that we can go through the same process again. The third one, implement human oversight elements, right? So human in the loop, humans helping AI make decisions, humans uh, able to turn it off when we need to, right? Or to back it out. And the fourth one is working to have AI systems explain themselves to their human teammates and to the end users. Great, thanks, Rhonda. Yeah, Rhonda, I, I'm telling you, it's easier said than done, okay, all, all four of these. And 
it just shows you, you know, we have very smart people in DOD. I've uh, worked in some amazing program offices, and I guess this is why they get paid the big bucks, right? Because there's a lot of brain power that has to go into making sure that we do this right and can meet these four elements that you're talking about. Right. And, you know, I'll give a big shout out to all the S&T teams who are working on AI. Um, DARPA is working very hard on this. NIST is working hard on it as well. And, you know, our service uh, research labs are doing quite a bit of work on this, particularly in the safety area. So Army Research Lab, for instance, the entire safety team who is working on AI is saying that until we know it's safe, all AI falls under the safety umbrella. And so they're taking that approach and coming up with some really good insight and tooling that we can use for AI. Okay, so before we leave this area, are there any analogies from other fields that can help us understand AI risks? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It doesn't always have to be technical. We think, oh, AI algorithms, and then you're going to dive into this technical world. But just think of AI as a powerful tool, similar to a complex machine in engineering. We've had many of those in DOD, right, where we've really needed to understand how a machine works. So it requires careful design, monitoring, and safety measures. And we've been saying for years that we need to understand black box systems. The same is true for AI, but it's harder to, ter to determine what's happening inside the box. But I can tell you, if a vendor has no idea, that's a sign that we need to do more work there. Um, does anybody remember the early days of navigation systems like Magellan and Google Maps? Did you guys ever use those in the... 90s when they came out mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah there were t yeah right there were times where they would tell you to drive into a lake or take a road that didn't exist i remember that if you were in a hilly city like san francisco it just munged all the roads together and could not figure out where you were so there were some major safety related incidents back then where people kind of unfortunately drove into dangerous areas where they they shouldn't have and probably wouldn't have if they were doing the navigating. So we didn't completely trust those systems early on. And because they didn't explain themselves or enable us as the end users to choose from route options or provide system feedback, we had a, a level of trust issue that we had to overcome over a series of years and, and Google and Magellan and the other vendors improving those applications. So a second very simple analogy is food allergies. So if the FDA didn't require food products to list ingredients on food packaging, people with severe food allergies wouldn't be able to eat packaged foods. They would just have no idea if they were going to, you know, have a severe reaction, possibly die from the food. So the FDA requires a packaged food product to explain itself, so to speak, right? Kind of like we're talking about for AI. So the humans who may want to consume it need to understand what's in it. And in this analogy, we need to do the same for AI. But the creators, unfortunately, today for AI don't always understand exactly how the AI used the ingredients, in this case, the data, in this recipe to ultimately come up with the product. And so that's the part we're all working on globally. And I can't tell you, Rhonda, as, you know, we're in DOD, how critical it is we get this right because we're putting AI into everything and we were, you know, whether it's drones or it's autonomous vehicles that the army's uh, going to be testing that those type of things. So uh, 
Today's episode is packed with great information. So can you summarize the key takeaway for DOD professionals who are contracting for AI-enabled software? Yeah, yeah, let's summarize. So um, A, I'd say remember that AI is a powerful tool, but it's not infallible. Uh, nevertheless, we must harness AI's benefits within DOD to stay ahead of our adversaries. So they're out there implementing AI at a fast pace and the innovations are coming out at a fast pace. So we can't just sort of take a seat on the sidelines, but we also have to minimize the risk. Um, to do that, it's essential to approach AI with caution. I would, I would want program teams to do that. Emphasize transparency, ethical practices, human machine teaming, guide rails, the ability to make continuous updates to the software. You don't want software that sits for a year if it has AI in it. We're going to need to make frequent changes. So you'll need modern software practices like DevSecOps and machine learning operations. Um, and we need constant monitoring. We need to monitor AI to make sure it doesn't go outside of the guide rails. Um, and now that sounds like a lot, right? But it's starting to be more doable using modern software development lifecycle practices like DevSecOps. Um, and for help within DOD, email DAU if you need help with an AI project at agile.dau.edu, and our software engineering team will get that, and they will send you to experts either within DAU or outside of DAU. And um, certainly use CDAO's brand-new Responsible AI Toolkit. And that's on the web at rai.tradewindai.com or just Google CDAO Responsible AI Toolkit. And that's a process that is, by the way, changing. It's a living process that walks program teams through how to do this and how to use tooling to mitigate the risks. Rhonda, that's fantastic. I know Scott and I have been talking about, hey, we need people to know DAU provides consulting services that we call mission assistance and that we can come out to your program office and uh, help you with, with these type of things. And we could bring in resources from other places within DOD. doesn't necessarily mean DAU. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, we also have a, a, a wide network, right? So there's a good chance we know another program who's trying to do something similar. That happens quite a bit as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, Rhonda, this is, this is part five. And um, I'm hoping we're going to have plenty more uh, to come because AI is a huge topic uh, right now. So thank you so much for taking your time to come on and do another episode with us. Yeah, you're welcome. And we'd like to hear from your uh, listeners, by the way. So if there are AI topics that we aren't covering or that you really need information on, please let us know. And I'm sorry, I don't know the method, but Jim and Scott, I know you you have a way of uh, telling them to get back to us. Yes, definitely. In the in the comments section, whether it's a DAU media or YouTube, you can put comments in there and say, hey, hey, we'd love to, if you guys could talk about X. And then once we get that, Rhonda, either it's on you or you can bring someone in from industry. I know we got, you got lots of contacts with all your experience and everything. So uh, we could pretty much answer almost anything. Yeah, in fact, just a preview for everybody. We are working on an episode with a contracting expert from MITRE who's working with a small team at MITRE and, and DAU to come up with advice for the contracting community on how to contract for AI. So that's a future episode coming soon. All right, that sounds awesome.
So thank you, Rhonda, again. And to all of you out there, thank you for listening in. We uh, do this for you. Uh, Scott and I uh, put a lot of effort in this along with our our program person, Bernie Crum. Without her, we would not get any of these podcasts out. So thank you, Bernie. And uh, so for all of you out there, we look forward to having future contracting conversations with you. <laughs>